0: As if that's not enough. Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's Helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix Better Sleep starts now. Huh.
1: Nothing, Bonnie? Nothing? No. Wow. Tony?
2: Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't think of anything. I got I got nervous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Traditionally somebody wishes me luck here. Doesn't matter. Heads up. What?
0: Good luck. <laughs> Heads up? Is that what you said? Heads,
3: Heads
2: up or up. <laughs> up. Just another oh, cup God. club effort by Bonnie Broad.
1: Oh, I do <laughs> <laughs> I do love our called opens. <laughs> Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, what is OCD? To some people, it's a trendy way to describe one's hobbies and attention to detail. To others, obsessive-compulsive disorder is a serious condition requiring therapeutic treatment. And to still others, it stands for Orange County Dave, this dude I know from Anaheim. Michelle Massey from Anxiety Therapy LA is here to school us on that second and most important kind of OCD. Though I wonder if she knows Dave. I can't stop thinking about Dave. Also, a penny for your thoughts, because a penny is a coin, and you have thoughts about Thomas Coin. Hear all about our lost survivalist on Mailbag, Thomas Coyne Edition. I'm Adam Felber, the man who obsessively arranges all the elements of the show and compulsively attempts to herd stray conversational strands back into their proper place. And now, please welcome the woman who is a walking source of disorder, a localized field of conversational entropy... It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. Welcome, Paula. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you so much.
0: So lovely to be here. And thanks to tonight's house band, Carrie Frank, on the ukulele from Los Angeles, California. Check out carriefrank.com to see where he'll be performing next and his discography. I don't think I've ever said that word before, discography. You said it well. Thank you. What's new, Paula Poundstone? You know what? No. I started a worm farm, and it is doing so well. So far, we just have one plastic bin with some vent holes, and we have, I think, a thousand worms we started with, and uh, I am obsessed with the worm farm. I check it multiple times a day.
1: So this is that vermicelli composting you're doing?
0: It's a vermicomposting, yeah. Yeah. Right. They don't like sunlight, so when I lift the lid off, they'll be on top of the food and the moist, shredded paper just hanging out or eating, and I pull the lid off and put my big head over them and start talking. They usually slither away as best they can. I mean, to them, it must kind of come from out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, they they must they, they must see me like the people at wedding parties at Mar a Lago see French Trump <laughs> just staggering in. <laughs> alors, alors, it is I, French Trump. <laughs> Stop having a good time. I'm here to talk to you. <laughs> the 2020 election was the most stolen election. I am really the president. I am not really wandering around crashing parties. I am secretly the president. Would you like to see a magic trick? Come on up here, you beautiful woman. (laughs) Have we ever met before? Of course not. I don't know you. However, now I shine some ultraviolet light on your face. And there you see, there is a vote for moi. No, no. It is not a mole, it is a vote for moi. Thank you. Good night. That's how the worms <laughs> see me.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah, well. Thank you for that little vignette into a place I never want to visit.
0: What, Mar a Lago with French Trump?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or with regular Trump. I, I don't think I'll be I'll be heading there anytime soon. Now, Paul, it is a very big day, as you know, because Tony Anita Hall was not with us last week. Oh my So God. we couldn't <laughs> announce the winner. Of the longest cat contest.
0: And we missed Tony Anita Hall so much last week. It was a kind of a leaden experience. Uh, just talking and not having her there it was a lonely time for the nobody listens to oh, you Oh, you missed her, Mrs. Culpepper. we were so worried about our uh, Tony Anita Hall. Oh, I'm so glad you're back, Tony.
2: Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. It's good to be back with you. Well,
0: it is lovely.
1: Now, Tony, we put off talking about this contest because Miss Culpepper was just at wit's end missing you. And the rest of us missed you a lot. And also, you've kind of been kind of handling this contest. Now, Unlike our first contest where things went uh, horribly wrong, we were sure we nothing was going to go. We were pretty sure things were not going to go horribly wrong with this, because how could you mess up a contest where you just had to identify the longest named cat of any of us? Like we
0: made yeah. it so simple. There's no right? planner in the world that could sh- screw
1: that up. You just have to count the letters and we we had it.
0: Who was it that but made the you know? f- Who was it that made the fire <laughs> festival?
1: Oh, yeah. It might have been Tony Anita Hull. Yeah. Anyway, Tony, what oh. went wrong?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, so there are a couple things that nothing went
3: Nothing irreparable.
2: No, no, nothing. It it all worked out the way it was supposed okay. to. So, um, Paula spells her cat Mrs. Fezziwig. With just one Z, which is a little bit untraditional. Yes. Yeah.
0: My cat, Mrs. Fezziwig, is named after Scrooge's boss's wife in A Christmas Carol. But apparently, well, I've read the book A Christmas Carol, but I, I was just from the movie I named my cat Fez. And so I didn't realize it was two Zs. And yet on my game show, we put the name of the cat up. Sometimes, and so anybody who watches the game show and is a nobody would assume that Mrs. Fezziwig is spelled with one Z, so we were locked into the one Z spelling.
1: And not only the one Z spelling, but also MRS instead of M-I-S-S-U-S, am I correct? Yes.
2: Yeah, M-R-S. Yes. Fezziwig was 11 letters. With the double Z, it's 11 right. letters. right. So right. we thought that was the longest cat name, however- I spell Mr. Totes, M-I-S-T-E-R-T-O-T-E-S, which is also 11 letters.
4: And
1: people would know that because of why?
2: Because of Instagram. I post pictures of him and always call him Mr. Totes and write his name on my stories. He's a little star. And so
1: you never abbreviate the Mr. and Paula always does. So a listener might think that Mr. Totes was the longest or at least tied for the longest.
2: Correct. If you go to my Instagram and you knew I spelled Mr. Out, it had 11 letters. And if you knew how Paula actually spells Mrs. Fezziwig, that's only 10 letters. So in theory, Mr. <laughs> Totes could have been the winner and should have been the
1: winner. So what have you done, Tony? What did I you do to fix it? I think we should have it? done
2: it based on how the cats
0: spell their names. Because I don't think Mr. Totes, <laughs> yeah. he's a lot lazier than that. No. He doesn't spell out M-I-S-T-E-R. No, Trust me, he, he abbreviates. Doesn't.
2: No, he doesn't. And he's more of a numbers guy, too. So he definitely doesn't. Um, anyway, so what we decided to do, sorry, I just, I just, was, I stopped because I was thinking about how much I love my cat. Sure. Anyway.
1: That'll happen. So what
2: we decided to do is that if you guessed either Mr. Totes or Mrs. Fezziwig, no matter how it was spelled... One Z, double Z. We counted your entry. If you wrote both, we counted your entry because we wanted to be as fair as we possibly could because, shocking, we had no clear answer (laughs) for.
0: Tony Anita, uh, she was the Secretary of State in Arizona, I'm telling you. The whole whole contest was stolen. It was stolen.
1: (laughs) It was not French President Trump.
2: It was not. All no, right. I put it into a random name <laughs> generator.
0: A random name generator? What the hell is that? You
2: upload all the names and it scrambles them and then chooses one.
0: Huh. Oh, wow. I guess the days of the fishbowl yes. are gone.
2: Yeah, they are. So, <laughs> the winner of the longest cat contest was Laura Romaine. Wow.
5: Congratulations,
2: Laura. So, and she wrote back instantly when we told her she was the winner and she said, I'm beyond excited about this. Yes, I accept the prize. Please pass along to Paula. I have been a fan of hers since I first saw her back in the nineties, talking about Snickers commercials. My daughters have already asked if they can make brownies and lemonade for the party. Thank you so much, but you better get back to reading Moby Dick right now.
0: All right. Wow.
2: Well, I'm, I'm excited
0: too, Laura. I can't wait to meet you. And, Up to 50 of your friends on Zoom. uh, And I wish that you could send the brownies and lemonade. I wish it could be delivered um, safely.
1: Yeah, I would accept them as well.
0: Anyways, Laura, we're really looking forward to the Zoom party. It'll be fun. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm already deciding if I'm going to be in gallery view or speaker view.
1: (laughs) I, I always go gallery. And with that, I am going to call the meeting of the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone book club to order. Oye, Oye, and etc. cetera. A point um, of personal we'll, to please privilege. Come to order point
4: of pri- I rise for the uh, <laughs> task oh. for a point of personal privilege, please. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that Ken Lezebnik? It is I, Ken Lezebnik, <laughs> the erstwhile president of this again. club, calling from Brooklyn, and I would like to rise for a point of personal privilege because I've been listening and it feels to me as okay. though the, the novel Moby Dick has certainly not been given its due, that a couple of members <laughs> seemingly aren't even reading the book. And it is only <laughs> ironically, I thought it was sort of ironic that it was Senator Bernie Sanders who seemed to be the most staunch you know advocate of the book. And I would just like to speak to the greatness of Moby Dick for a moment, if I may.
0: We haven't censured Ken in his absence, have we?
4: <laughs> no, but no. we could. Um, <laughs> no. But Ken, you are
1: the president. You could take the gavel if you have a gavel. Is this?
4: There. There's my gavel. Yeah. Nope. nope. Sounds like a gavel. Made nope. out of a whale bone. And
0: you're still claiming to be in Brooklyn?
4: I, I am indeed in Brooklyn. I just <laughs> dined on the Fulton Hot Dog King uh, hot dogs for my dinner tonight, in fact. Oh, nice. keep meaning to email Tony Anita Hall a photo of the Fulton Hot Dog King to prove yes. that I am indeed in Brooklyn.
1: Wow. Well, Ken, you you have the floor. And and yes, I think we have to confess that some of us are listening to the book. Um, some of us started reading the book and then transitioned to Sparknotes. I don't think anybody is actually eyes on the page
4: reading Moby Dick. Well, you're missing a great experience. You know what?
0: Listening to the audio version is fine. It's unabridged, so it's, it's fine. I'm yeah. not, And, by the way, I've listened to it all the way through once, and then I started listening again because my fellow club members weren't keeping up. And so I'm, I've listened twice. I feel this makes me uh, Herman Melville's best
4: friend. Well, and apparently one of them <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> one of them, actually found a child's version of Moby Dick, which I, just read, I was astonished to know it even existed. But speaking of the seemliness of Moby Dick, I know that, that there was a moment where people were objecting to sort of the blood and gore involved in Moby Dick. And yes. Senator Sanders rose to the defense of it is a book about whaling after all. Sure. And I would just echo Senator Sanders and say, The equivalent to me would be like to say, you know, this play Oedipus Rex, ooh, to kill your father and marry your mother? How gross. You know, that's not an appropriate thing to read. But to me, this speaks to the primal power of Moby Dick, which as the novelist David Gilbert said, Moby Dick is about everything, a Bible written in scrimshaw, an adventure spun in allegory, a taxonomy tripping on acid. And this is the thing about Moby Dick, I know some people seem to be objecting to the slow narrative pace of the actual story. That it is interladen mm-hmm. with various digressions, including in this week's reading, I believe, description <laughs> of the triworks yes. and um, yes. uh-huh. sort of a, some philosophical um, musings. But this is why it mm-hmm. accumulates power. I think. I mean, this incredible passage from this week's reading, which describes, you know, here is Ishmael at the helm of the Pequod, and and the rushing Pequod, freighted with savages, and he's. Guiding the, the ship through this incredibly dark night, laden with fire, and burning the corpse, and plunging into that blackness of darkness, seemed like the material counterpart of her monomaniac Commander's soul. There is poetry in this that I don't feel the book club is giving its due. I now uh, yield my time.
1: Wow, that was... That was great.
0: You know, I just listened to those same words yesterday, and I have to say, um, you read them better. And also, (laughs) this idea that the book is everything, I have the exact same feeling about Ramona the Pest.
1: (laughs) 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 And, And I'll point out, Paula, Ramona the Pest doesn't need to go down to whale guts and gore as much. There's hardly any whale killings in Ramona the past. <laughs> Does anyone die?
0: But that's th- not what it's about. Whereas, again, yes, I, you know, you I guys know. needed to look at the cover of the book a little longer, I think. Well...
1: Uh, let's let's examine Ken's Oedipus thing everybody knows that Oedipus killed his uh, father and and married his mother right everyone but Oedipus yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he finds out but if I was to pick that up and it was nothing but wall-to-wall graphic descriptions of the murder and all the subsequent sex he had with his mom I, I would be within my rights to say well I knew it was about that but that's a little much and that's point how I feel about a personal Monday.
4: privilege point of personal privilege you can just talk <laughs> okay all right uh, <laughs> because no, I like it when that, he says that. To that point, I would just note that I believe that part of the passage that that was so appalling to some of the book club members, within that same passage, the bloody whale hunt, there is this moment in which Starbuck and Queequeg and Ishmael find their boat inadvertently pushed into the innermost circle of whales, and there's this incredible moment of gentleness and attention to the cycle of life that happens in the middle of this blood and gore. I yield my time. Yeah! And then he
1: kills him.
0: You know, Adam, it isn't wall-to-wall. What we've been saying about the book is that he stops and he has these departures where he describes, you know, great detail, you know, the the anatomy of the whale or how the whale breathes or the some part of the yep. ship. So it's not wall-to-wall blood and guts. That's just not true. No,
1: it's not wall-to-wall blood and guts. Definitely not. But it's a lot. Uh, here's, here's my book report for this week. Okay. Or, or Paula, do you want to go first?
0: I do. Here we go. Ready?
1: Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hang on there. Where are you going in such a hurry? Paul, we gotta go down to the fishing hole. Barney says there's a white whale down there eating everybody's legs. Come on, Paul, we gotta go. <laughs> oh, now, ope. Oh, wait just a gosh darn minute now. Let's think this thing through. There ain't no time to wait, Paul. It's a big white whale. And Barney said it ate Floyd's leg, and now Floyd's giving crooked haircuts. What if the big white whale eats Aunt B's leg? Who'll make our dinner? And what if it eats Goober and Gomer's legs, and we have to pump our own <laughs> gas? How soon after that do you think we'll have gas pump TV? And Miss Crump might just leave town to get a job on gas pump TV. She's awful pretty, Paul. Get your fishing pole open. We'd best get going. Let's sing whilst we run. Lose your leg, lose your leg, lose your leg, lose your (laughs) your leg. (laughs) 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 Yes. I love
3: it. That's a Moby Dick I I I would pay to
1: see. The Moby Griffith Show. Um, Let's continue to go around the horn. Tony, I need a halt. What was your opinion of this week's reading?
2: I read these chapters. No. I just jumped back oh. into the book and I hadn't read since chapter 22, but I just thought, you know, you guys have been filling me in every week. Eddie sounded very disappointed that I hadn't read. So I jumped back in. <laughs>
1: and, and, and what's your impression?
2: I still think it sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> They talk about killing a little baby whale in this, these chapters. And that makes me sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's
2: not cool. And then um, I'm excited that Ahab's going to get another leg. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Lose your leg. Lose your leg. Lose your leg. Lose your leg. She also sent me the uh, children's version of Moby Dick in the mail. And uh, indeed there is. There is a cardboard book version of Moby Dick. Every child's dream, I think. (laughs) <laughs>
3: you know what? Then that must be because I got a notice in, in my mailbox that I owed two dollars and thirty-eight cents in postage that Tony Anita Hall had sent me something and they wouldn't deliver no. it until I no. paid two dollars and thirty-eight cents. Did you send me the book? Are too? you lying? No, I'm telling the truth. I was
0: wondering what you sent. Oh my
3: god! Tony.
1: Your history with sending stuff postage oh, due no. continues. Oh, my heavens. I went to the
0: post office and it. T-
1: Tony C-O-D-Hall to, <laughs> to get that book. Well, I-, I hate to do this after you've read the chapters, but I motion to censure Tony Anita Hall for sending something I postage do. due.
0: Do that is rude.
1: Is that seconded? Do I have a second? No, I don't. Uh, no, I, I don't feel this... Oh, 10 seconds oh, it. 10. Okay, it has been seconded. Now we will vote all in favor of censuring Tony Anita Hall. Say aye. Aye. Aye.
3: I don't know if I can censor Tony Anita Hall. You said I don't know. That counts.
1: <laughs> Tony Anita Hall has been censured.
0: I think that um, Postmaster General DeJoy has to go to Tony's house and get the $2.06. <laughs> <laughs> I waited
2: at the post office. I'm so mad. I don't know. <laughs> I think Tony
3: had a little bit of a reading a kid's book reaction, saying that she was happy to hear that Ahab was going to get another leg because, actually, my favorite part of the chapters we were supposed to read, it was in Chapter 106, which was an additional 106? chapter. 106? Bonnie, you are out of order. <laughs> I read one extra chapter. It was 96 read to 105. 105. You know, we were re- it's where Ishmael said... Ahab had been found lying on the ground with a whalebone leg twisted around and almost piercing his groin. And that's why he knows that the leg isn't going to hold up for the whole journey. And I thought, great, it serves Ahab right. And here Tony's like, oh, I'm really glad he's going to get a new leg. That makes me
0: happy. (laughs) 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 She does have a she has more of a hearts and rainbows approach. To Ahab yeah. getting a whalebone <laughs> in the groin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a super positive thought, Tony. That is true.
3: Well, you, know, <laughs> you know, Ken, when you read these passages, I could really listen to you read them, and they don't seem offensive. It's so lovely. But I'm now at the point where I'm scanning Sparks' notes, which is like
0: so low. Honestly, can you believe they're adults, Um, (laughs) Kevin?
4: Point Point of personal privilege, please. Point of personal privilege.
1: You know what? I actually went back to reading chapters as well, and he is a fantastic writer, and what he writes is beautiful. However, I was going to devote my time today to say this. On Disney Plus last (laughs) week, debuted a mini-series called called Secrets of the Whales. It's a nature documentary series. It is narrated by Sigourney Weaver. And in the first episode, which is all about orcas, which, uh, uh, you know, the so-called killer whales, there's just this lovely bit where we learn that whales, unlike almost every other animal except us and, and certain other simians, whales actually learn and teach each other tricks that they pass down from generation to generation. And there's this amazing thing where there's only one pot of whales that has figured out this bit of lore, which is that you can flip a stingray on its back and it goes to sleep which makes it much easier to catch and eat. Wow. And there's this amazing scene where this cameraman who's been hanging out underwater with the with the whales, he gets approached by an orca who flips a stingray and leaves it for him like, here. Have a bite. Mm. And then like five minutes later, when the diver hasn't eaten the stingray, the whale comes back and, you know, gently grabs the, the stingray that was still floating there. And it's just one of the most beautiful moments I've seen in a documentary about whales. And I've seen many. Wow! So that's my report on Moby Dick.
0: There's also, did you see the whole episode? Yes, I did. Because at the end, <laughs> and I can't believe you didn't tell this. At the end, the orca um, takes another, a woman scuba diver and puts her in a box. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes a saw and he cuts her in half and uh-huh. he says he learned it from his grandfather and then they just fucking feed on her. It's uh um Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's but that's really nature's beautiful. way it's it's that's just really, nature's way, Paula. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it really moment. is. Uh, you can't, it's hard to see because of the blood in the water, but you know you get the idea. And um, yeah. and the thing is, she's underwater, so you <laughs> yeah. don't hear that much screaming. And that's <laughs> you know part of why I liked it. <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> well, yes uh, i think i think we can all agree it's, it's a fantastic new disney yeah, plus documentary
4: will you entertain a motion to adjourn
1: yes um with that <laughs> 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 i hereby bring this meeting of this nobody listens to paula foundstone book club Ooh. to a close uh thank you for dropping in ken it's great to have you yeah born. ken thanks i was delighted
0: yeah kim ken can i just ask you one question you know how you say you're in Brooklyn? Yes. Then can I ask you why it is I saw you over near the Maybelline counter at the Rite Aid on Wilshire <laughs> and Santa Monica today? <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, my Good brother question. my brother Rob lives in Brentwood and he does look very similar. So you may have seen my brother Rob.
0: No, Ken, it was no, you. Oh, the old twin <laughs> brother thing. <laughs> <It's
4: true. laughs> All right,
1: um, Paula, do you have a vocabulary uh, oh, word this oh. week?
0: Oh, Oh, yes. Adam, I have a word, and it's militate. It's a verb that means to be a powerful or decisive factor in preventing something. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Those who refuse to get vaccinated militate against the well-being of our nation and the world. It's a useful word the only thing that might militate against my putting it in the vocabulary song is my tendency to stray let me try though This week's word is militate. It's a verb that means be a powerful or decisive factor in preventing something. The tunnel is blocked by a giant dumpling. Last week's word was prescribe. <laughs> it's a verb that means officially forbid something. No more avoiding Moby Dick reading. The week before that, the word was preponderance. It's a noun that means the quality or fact of being greater in number, quantity or importance. You can't have... To Too many people named Hortense. Going back before (laughs) that, the word was pernicious, pernicious, pernicious. It's an adjective that means having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. I've been staring at Twitter all day, and not long ago we had Gluckschmerz, Gluckschmerz. It's a noun that means being displeased by an event (laughs) presumed to be desirable for someone else. How wonderful you received another trophy for your shelf. Let's never forget free, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Kind of went into a minor key motif at the end there. That's really nice. Well done, Paula.
0: Oh, my gosh. that just takes years off my life every time I do it, man. It's just, I give so much. (laughs) Yeah, you leave it all on the floor.
1: There's no doubt about it. I do. Yeah. Coming up, the artist Jim Dine once said, I do not think obsession is funny or that not being able to stop one's intensity is funny. And then he said it again and again until it became kind of funny. (laughs) We'll take OCD seriously next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because when Helix first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up, I'm a fan.
0: Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. He who smelt it, dealt it. Share that with your neighbor.
1: (laughs) Thank you, house band Carrie Frank. Hey, uh, Paula. Yeah. You know, one of the first, very first times we hung out, you and me, you told me about your history with OCD and how, um, how for you it once manifested itself as a budding career in dishwashing.
0: Couldn't stop cleaning. I was a great uh, table busser, actually, was probably the peak of my cleaning career. I one time uh, cleaned for 48 hours.
1: Even after the establishment was closed?
0: Yeah, both while it was open and closed. And uh, I fell asleep uh, vacuuming, eventually.
1: You fell asleep with the vacuum cleaner on?
0: Upright vacuuming, yeah.
1: (laughs) And what do you think pulled you out of that, that OCD cleaning spiral?
0: Well that particular event I was cleaning for a reason but uh that particular aspect of me lends itself to good restaurant work.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, if you
0: own a restaurant, what you want to do is find your local therapist's OCD support group night and go on down there with a stack of applications because you know, we are good restaurant employees. But OCD manifests itself in me in a variety of ways, not just that by any means.
1: Right. That was just the first story I heard from you uh, back when we started hanging out oh, nearly 20 years ago.
0: And I imagine I couldn't stop telling you either would be my first guess.
1: Yeah. No. It was a long, it was a long yeah, story. Yeah. well
0: that's that's part of it too. Well, we
1: are fortunate to have on our show right now an expert on the very topic of OCD. She's the former associate clinical director of UCLA's Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital who now directs Anxiety Therapy LA. She specializes in the treatment of obsessive-compulsive disorder and other anxiety disorders such as panic disorder, social anxiety and body-focused repetitive behaviors. Let's welcome Michelle Massey. Yay!
0: Yeah.
1: Come on down, Michelle.
0: Thank you for having me. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, welcome. Well, let's just jump right in, if you don't mind. Tell us what is OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder. What is it?
6: Sure. So the simplest definition I give is that it's made up of obsessions and compulsions, and obsessions are intrusive thoughts, images, words, sounds that create anxiety in us. We don't want them there, obviously. And the compulsions are the behaviors we engage in, whether physical or mental behaviors that help us to decrease, or we think they do, help us to decrease our anxiety related to the obsessions. Okay. So for in the example you were giving where Paula was cleaning, the cleaning was the compulsion in order to decrease the anxiety from whatever the obsession of, I have to clean this, or this isn't clean enough, that was coming up for her.
0: The obsession in that particular case was a person. Mm-hmm. It was the manager of the restaurant who mm-hmm. all the restaurant employees loved. She was really, really wonderful, very beloved, had gone away on a trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually talked uh, some other waitresses into cleaning with me like <laughs> late at night. I was also very persuasive. Um, but yes. the, <laughs> the best part of the story is so we wanted the restaurant to look great when Mary got back from her trip. Yes. And so the best part of the story is because I worked for 48 hours in a row on the morning that she was to arrive back. I had fallen asleep while vacuuming. I went upstairs to the couch, and I just didn't get up again. Yeah. And people <laughs> told me later, like hours and hours later, that they had come up, they had woken me, I said I was coming down, and I never did. And so when I finally came out of my uh, exhaustion and went downstairs into the restaurant. This manager, Mary, was kind of pissed at me because I wasn't there (laughs) bussing tables. And the whole place was falling apart. So it was...
1: A little self-defeating.
0: Yeah. At that time, I had no idea that there was anything unusual about that. Right. And uh, found out later. So why does it appear to manifest itself so
6: eclectically? OCD seems in my experience, to focus on things that are important to us. So things that we are emotionally drawn to, which is why I see my clients who are new moms have a lot of OCD after their baby is born. Yeah. Or I work with a lot of teachers who end up having fears that they'll do something inappropriate to their kids they work with, or they'll send out an offensive email to the parents of the students they work with. I have clients who have something called scrupulosity, which is obsessions and compulsions around, um, religion and morals. And oftentimes it's my more religious clients that struggle with that. So it's the things, you know, I want to make sure I pray correctly or I'm praying and making, you know, the right prayers to God, that kind of thing. Interesting. Um, oh and so it gosh. tends to, to connect to things that are important to us. So if your relationship with that boss was really important to you, that might be where that sort of obsession and compulsion manifested.
0: Yeah. Oh, the idea—the the religious thing must be awful because mm-hmm. the idea that God can see your thoughts mm-hmm. would just layer it with insanity, yeah. right? So um, much guilt boy, and yeah. yep, yep. Oh my heavens! Yep. And of course, every time you try to avoid something, <laughs> it somehow makes it loom larger. Of course, of course. Yeah. All right. Now I've heard that everyone has. OCD, and that it's only diagnosed based on the degree to which it interrupts your life. Is that true?
6: Uh, yes and no. I, w- you know, I think the people who have OCD and are diagnosable would be offended if they heard that everybody has OCD, because then I think it takes away from the struggle. You know, you sat there and and cleaned for forty eight hours. I have clients who spend five hours in the shower. While I think a lot of us have traits of OCD really the diagnosable it's about 2 to 3% of the population so wow. like one in every 50 to 100 people that you know has diagnosable OCD symptoms, impairing in their day-to-day functioning for more than an hour a day. Uh-huh.
1: It seems like it's become kind of almost fashionable for people to claim that they have OCD as a means yes. of explaining how meticulous they are with their work or something like that. Is yes. that. It, it, how does that strike you? Oh,
6: it's so awful for my patients and, and just people who struggle. <laughs> it's like OCD is such an adjective. And again, it takes away from what my patients are going through on a day-to-day basis of like struggling to get out of bed or get out of the house or function. And so when someone is like, oh, I arrange things so compulsively, it's so like nails on a chalkboard to so many of my patients. It's so cringeworthy. Is it related to anxiety? Yes, absolutely. It's, it is an anxiety disorder. It manifests differently than like something like generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety disorder, but it, a lot of it comes from the same place. I tell my clients that sort of what I look at often is with all of the anxiety disorders, there's often a control thing, something in my life, not that they're trying to control, but something in my life feels out of control or dysfunctional. And I am trying to hold on to a, a little strand of something to be able to control the outcome, right? So if I'm afraid something bad will happen to my mom and I knock three times on the wall so that her plane doesn't crash, Even though I know realistically there's probably no connection there, it makes me feel like I have control. And so it's that, you know, it's coming from some fear of um, or some anxiety place.
0: So have diagnoses and the prevalence of OCD
6: skyrocketed during the pandemic since speaking of things we can't control? Right. It's funny. All the OCD therapists were good friends and talk about this often. And I've seen more people, you know, reach out just from the anxiety in general. A lot of my clients, especially the ones who struggle with contamination, OCD have been like, see, I told you all those years, I told you, you should be washing more or not touching things. (laughs) So.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
6: Right. Exactly. See, see the hand sanitizer, everybody's using it now. Right. So it's been an interesting, you know, thing. I don't know if overall, I know a couple of my colleagues have done some studies on COVID and, um, and how OCD has been impacted and how anxiety has been impacted. Um, and they're definitely seeing an increase. I don't know the end results of all those studies. I think they're still sort of in progress. But mental health in general has suffered this year. We've been isolated. We've been home. um, We've been afraid. So and so much out of our our control. Right.
0: I mean, when I say it's something that we can't control, that is so and it also isn't so. Right. We can use the mitigation uh, things that we've been told. And what we can't control is everyone else's behavior. Right. And we keep... Seeing that in, in every way. Yes. And that, that is crazy making. That was one of the things, you know, when I was diagnosed, I have to say, there's something about it that's a little bit freeing because now I can say to myself, all right, I know what this is and I can succumb to it because I know it makes me feel temporarily better or I cannot, but I know what it is. And there was something about that that made me feel a little bit better. Anyways, it didn't end it necessarily, but I was like, oh, that instead of just thinking I'm an asshole, which is it's a, it's a better thought than
6: that. Yeah.
1: Is is yeah. there good OCD? Is there good compulsions that make you feel better temporarily if you're able to drop them?
6: No, no. I mean, the, the short answer in terms of like any compulsion that is used to decrease anxiety only reinforces the OCD itself. And it, it tells you I need to keep doing this compulsion just in case this bad thing is going to happen. However, If you talk to a lot of my patients, especially the ones with perfectionism, it's sort of like a, hey, my OCD has helped to protect me or there's a safe part of it. I like it. It makes me a better student. So some people will feel like there's a good part to their OCD, Uh you know, and it's not they don't feel like it's necessarily impacting them or they'll say, oh, I want to keep this part of me. But if you could just get rid of the anxiety and it doesn't work that way, we can't separate them.
0: Where does it come from? is it a particular part of the brain? And is it genetic? Is it because of some experience you've had? Where does it come from? Yeah. So
6: scientists are still, and researchers are still trying to figure that out. We know it's a brain disorder. We know it's genetic. You're much more likely to have it if a first degree family member has it, mm-hmm. but it's you know not guaranteed. And you you could have it even if a family member does not have it, but it's researchers and psychiatrists are still trying to like really locate where in the brain, you know, we're not sure if there's like a gene mutation or anything. Like that. Well, let's drill surprised.
1: down on a genetic thing a little bit more. Um, no,
6: you know what? You know what? Adam Verber. You
0: can use a black light, uh, a ultraviolet light on the brain, and you can see the OCD. That That's very—you uh, can just put some light that is in there.
1: completely not, then, not no, true, it is President true. French uh, Trump. Uh, French Trump, no, no, I,
0: I'm, I'm, I have an uncle who was went to MIT, and I know this. Uh, you all you have to do is okay. Put that's some, that's
1: absolutely you, not how you, you learn things either. Put some UV
0: light in the brain. Go
6: ahead, go ahead, Michelle. Try that. <laughs> I will. I will try that. I promise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, I mean, Michelle. Putting aside UV light, um, you said it's genetic. Does that mean that we know that like even kids who are raised not by their biological parents are are disposed to have OCD if their biological parents did, or is it just sort of handed down because of behavior.
6: It's not necessarily handed down because of behaviors. I was part of a research study maybe 15 years ago, and they were studying the genetics of it. And what they found is that even of a parent, for example, with contamination fears, and they would make their child wash their hands all the time, even if their child ended up with OCD, it wasn't always contamination OCD. So even though the the behavior was there, the fear wasn't attached in the same way it was for the parent.
1: Interesting. Well, you know, Grover Nordquist once said, obsessions turn people off. And when it comes to turning people off, he should know. (laughs) We'll talk more about how to turn off your obsession when we return. The Cat of the Week is Bella May from Eugene, Oregon. We're back with Michelle Massey. Paula? Michelle, wisdom teeth
0: are going away to some degree, I'm told by an oral surgeon, because of evolution. We don't use them anymore. We pull them out. And so kids don't grow wisdom teeth the same way as generations ago. Um, why doesn't that happen with OCD? Are there ways in which it's beneficial and so it works with survival of the fittest?
6: I think in general, if we think about anxiety, anxiety itself protects us, right? You know, you wouldn't study for an exam if we didn't have a little bit of anxiety that warned us that if we don't study, we might fail. Our ancestors, when they would go hunting, right? They had to make sure they weren't going to be eaten by a saber tooth tiger. So they needed, you know, their, their fight, flight, or freeze response in order to save them. Right. Right. Yeah. The more, I'm so OCD.
1: I see saber tooths everywhere. Exactly. Right.
6: (laughs) Yeah. They got eaten. The
0: kickback ancestors got eaten. Yeah.
6: So the problem is, is there's ever, Evolutionary things in our lives that change, right? So, where in the 90s and even like early 2000s, I saw a lot more people who were struggling with obsessions related to AIDS. I still see it occasionally, but way less, right? Now we see a whole lot more just general health anxiety. So, there's always something that is sending signals to our brain that is saying we are in danger and we have to protect ourselves. And when, you know, at some point, maybe we'll have flying cars and then it's like, what if our cars crash or whatever, you know? So there is a part of anxiety that that is there to protect us. And it does. It's just when our brain is overfiring and telling us that everything is dangerous. One of my colleagues said, it's sort of like a, a guard dog who barks at not just the mailman and not just the person who's trying to break into your house, but even you when you come home. Yeah,
0: Mo.
4: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, Luna.
6: <laughs> when you were saying the brain, the
0: brain tells us How does the brain tell us? Is it a chemical release? Is it like an electrical charge? Uh, How is the brain telling us this this thing about how we have to be protected?
6: So it's the amygdala, which is, you know, an almond shaped piece of our brain that's that releases. You don't have to explain to me.
2: (laughs)
5: It's the (laughs) amygdala.
6: What? Are you kidding? Right. Amygdala. Sure. I loved that play. It releases chemicals and hormones when it interprets danger. And that's what gets us into that fight, flight, or freeze response. And sometimes it misfires. It thinks it tells us that something is dangerous when it actually isn't.
0: You know, I'm very, very lucky, and maybe this is partly how I've coped with my problem, which is I have a clip-on amygdala. I'm able to take it off. And sometimes, you know how sometimes you bring your phone with you, and sometimes you don't. So sometimes I just leave my amygdala on the desk and let it charge and then i come back later and uh, put it in so are there mitigation strategies
6: for intrusive ocd yeah so obviously we we have zero control over our thoughts that pop in our head we have zero control in how we you know sort of emotionally initially respond right if i tell you not to think about the pink bunny oh my god i can't believe you just said that yeah that is out of line if i tell you
0: Right.
1: Also, you called my dog OCD. I'm not letting go of that anytime soon.
0: All right, wait, <laughs> yeah. I interrupted. I'm no, no, sorry. So nice. if, if you tell me not to think about a pink bunny. Right.
6: You're going to think about the pink bunny, as you even said at the beginning of, of our talk. Right. Yeah. Um, and if, if I tell you, Adam, you can't be angry, it's stupid. This is not a big deal. It's not like you're going to turn off a light switch and just not be angry anymore. But we can control our behavior. So obviously... Knowing that part, Paula, you even mentioned sort of getting educated in treatment for OCD. Definitely helped you. Then there's Can I just just interrupt for a second
0: because I am fucking pissed at the
6: pink bunny. Go ahead. (laughs) You're allowed to be. I won't tell you not. You are allowed to have all the feelings you want. Got it? But in general, just sort of what I call making our foundation stronger. I tell my patients this all the time, right? And so many things go into that, that can help. So making sure you get enough sleep, right? Making sure you're eating a healthy enough diet. This doesn't mean like dieting. This doesn't mean not eating sweets. This means like making sure you're getting enough of your nutrients. This means exercising. This means doing hobbies, spending time with people you love, doing things that you love to engage in. Those are Mm going to be the things that are going to make your foundation stronger that when these struggles come up, you will have sort of the thing to fall back on. But really doing the exposures is the most important part of fighting OCD. What's that? Oh, that's great. I haven't even talked about exposure work. So exposure and response prevention is the therapy that we use to treat OCD. It's the gold standard. And it's so simplistic and yet so difficult to do. But it's really just leaning into the thing that makes you anxious and not engaging in the behavior. So for Paula, again, back to that example of when you were cleaning, your exposure would be not engaging in that cleaning behavior. For my clients who struggle with like a contamination where they don't want to touch things before eating, right? We would go touch a bunch of things that they think are contaminated and eat with those hands.
1: You ever lose a patient? Yeah. How
4: many of, of those guys just dropped yeah. dead? That's right? what I yes. want to know. Yeah. Um, you
6: know, because what we do in exposure, we're not trying to teach you that um your anxiety will go away. What we're trying to teach you is you can actually handle the worst case scenario, whatever that thing is, whether it's that mm-hmm. something bad may happen, you'll get sick. Um, Um, You'll leave your car unlocked and someone will break in. Uh You know, I had a patient who was worried that they would have a flood in their house. And so they never used their sink or shower at their house. They would go to the gym to shower every day. And it's great. He worked out all the time, right? Because he would go to the gym to shower, (laughs) but he avoided showering at home. And so what the exposure does is I would have him shower at home and use the sink at home and, you know, brush his teeth and all of those things, which is just things that we do every day right and not go back and change
1: so in paula's case would you have dressed up as mary and walked into the restaurant and gone like wow this place is a dump
6: (laughs) yes that's a possibility but we don't necessarily need to we have to look at what's called the core fear which is trying to figure out why it was so important to paula that mary thought that the restaurant was clean and what would it be like to disappoint her or have it not just right
1: right so think through it you wouldn't personally. Pretend to be Mary is what you're saying. You just have Paula think through it.
6: You know, I could, but I don't know that I would be a believable Mary. So sometimes it works for some clients and sometimes it doesn't. So it's just sort of trying to figure out what will work for each client within that
1: exposure. Paula, how did you beat it with nobody there to play Mary?
6: You
0: know, it would shift from person to person over time. Sure. And ultimately what I wanted was to be liked. Not just liked, loved. And the fear... Of Not being loved by this person Whoever it was That was my person Could go on for years Uh That was the big fear And I would do, you know, all sorts of things In order to get that person to love me And by the way I think some of those people liked me okay (laughs) But the very fact of the obsession Made it really difficult (laughs) For them to tolerate me
5: (laughs) at all
0: (laughs) And what's weird about OCD is that just like you were saying before, Michelle, you know, if you think that if I knock three times on this wood, it's going to make sure that my mother doesn't, that her plane doesn't fall out of the sky in a common sense way, you know, of course, that that's not true, which is part of the, you know, the push me, pull me of the whole thing is like, I could see how crazy it all was. I just couldn't stop it. And the answer is, I don't know what stopped it. Really? Yeah, I really don't.
1: Michelle, is that common? Do people get over it sometimes by themselves? And is that going to put you out of business if you say that out loud?
6: (laughs) No. I, I always tell patients, I'm here to put myself out of business by giving you skills. You know, some people find that their symptoms wax and wane and that they are able to sort of push through them. It typically tends to be people who have pretty mild OCD symptoms And then other clients, you know, don't there's no cure for OCD. So, you know, even if somebody finds that their OCD is not impairing them in a day to day manner, things can still pop up again because we can't control our thoughts.
0: I've had a theory uh, and it's just a theory that I don't know that we're all just big bags of chemicals to some degree and that there's something there's just something more volatile about my chemistry years ago than there is now. And some of that could have been for a wide variety of
6: reasons.
1: So uh, the bag of chemicals theory, Michelle.
6: You know, I think kind of what Paula was saying is that I think we change as people as we grow up and and maybe what was stressing her out or what was difficult before she's found some of these mitigating factors or that stronger foundation that as she grew as a person, Um, felt more confident in those relationships, things that used to trigger her no longer trigger her.
1: Paula, do you think stand-up comedy had anything to do with it? That you were getting approval from giant groups of people and you no longer needed to focus on just one?
0: No, because I've been, I mean, I was right in the middle of really debilitating OCD in the midst of my stand-up career. Okay. Um, just a thought yeah so yeah no that would be good yeah I will say the audience the audience is my best friend how screwed up is that Michelle
6: <laughs> I don't judge Paul, I don't judge yeah, but
0: they really are they really 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 are I love people that's the thing about me is I just plain do Uh, Do you attempt to use medications
6: uh, for people with OCD? So I'm not a psychiatrist, so I can't give out medications or prescribe medications. Have you ever
0: played one on television?
6: I have not. I've only played myself as a therapist. However, in terms of medication, I would say about 50% of my clients are on medication. It depends on the severity of symptoms. If someone comes to me and says they don't want to be on medication, then I'm happy to discuss and start treatment without it. Not every patient needs medication. However, Mm -hmm. if they're feeling stuck, then we start to think about Is medication necessary to help you get over that roadblock? Mm -hmm. I think of medication like an umbrella. It's not gonna take away all the symptoms, just like when you go out on a rainy day with an umbrella, you still get wet, but Mm -hmm. it's gonna help you be able to either lower the anxiety or lower the mood so that you are more capable of tolerating the discomfort that comes with exposures. Look, exposures are hard. I'm not gonna, you know, candy coat it, but they can be life changing. And so, Asking somebody to do the thing that they've been avoiding forever or lean into the anxiety, that's hard. And sometimes Mm -hmm. somebody needs a little bit of extra help besides just me and besides just the therapy. That's where we look at medication.
0: You know, sometimes they need something that can militate Mm -hmm. against uh, the uh, obsessions (laughs) and compulsions. That was that was today's vocabulary word, Michelle.
1: Well, Michelle Massey, that was excellent and now we're going to take what we learned and we are going to run that information through the old pounce Donator. Paula?
0: Casey Frank on the ukulele. First of all, thank you so much. It sounds wonderful. If I can get a little background music, I'll tell you what the pounce donator spit out. Can everyone see in the back? Uh, you can't? Uh, okay. There's plenty of room here inside Miss pounce head. Just move right down front and we'll begin the tour. (laughs) I just want to warn you, those intrusive thoughts come whipping through pretty fast. When that happens, just jump out of the way so no one gets hurt. There's plenty of room. Her brain is quite small. (laughs) Miss Poundstone is currently recording her podcast with her guest an OCD expert, Michelle Massey. She's asking her questions and listening to the answers. Oh my gosh! Watch out there! Watch out! There's a whole barrel of intrusive thoughts coming through! I hope Michelle Massey is having a good time. I'll bet she thinks I'm an asshole. She's a therapist. She can probably tell. Everything is not about me. Stop thinking about me. Make a joke! Make a joke! The interview needs some comedy. Make a joke! Oh! Oh! I could play the clock! Ugh, what if there's someone who doesn't like the glockenspiel? Nah, that's not possible. Everyone likes the glockenspiel. All right, tell a story. Tell the story. Not that joke. Not that story. Oh, no. What a stupid joke. Now I've offended the OCD sufferers. Damn it. There's another club I can't join. Remember an old yeller when the mother is talking about Bud Searcy and she says, it's no wonder no one wants him on a cattle drive. I hope I don't have to shoot my dog. (laughs) Michelle Massey (laughs) just mentioned people who knock on wood three times to protect their mother. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me Twice on the pipes (laughs) If you really don't care People, right this way, right this way Miss Poundstone's brain is about to light up As you can see, it's a neon sign Which is different than many normal brains There it goes, flashing on and off Asshole, asshole, asshole (laughs) Let's have you all exit this way Thank you for coming
1: She's a licensed therapist and the head of Anxiety Therapy LA. Thank you so much, Yay! Michelle Massey, everybody. Thank you
6: guys again for having me.
1: Michelle, that was terrific. Coming up next, has Thomas Coin been found? We're not taking his word for it. We'll dig into the mailbag, Thomas Coyne edition when we return. Fun fact, Montana has three times as many cows as it does people. But sadly, they just don't vote. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And Paula, I wanted to remind everybody that you issued a challenge and we made a bet last week. So I I just want to remind everybody about it. You believe that at least two of our nobodies not only did the show Oliver when they were in school, but they um, starred as Oliver in the show. Yes. And you want them to sing a little bit of Who Will Buy for you.
0: That's right. The very uplifting song, Who Will Buy. There's got to be at least two nobodies who played Oliver in a children's production or in a school production of the wonderful musical play, Oliver. And uh, go ahead and, and just record yourself singing a little bit of the song. You don't have to do the whole song, but you know. Who will buy this wonderful feeling? I'm so high, I swear I could fly. I'm probably singing it a little fast. Did you play Oliver? I never did play Oliver. I see. No, I did not. No, I was Winthrop in The uh, in the Music Man. <laughs>
1: well, that's a good role. If you're out there, everybody, and you did play Oliver, please just send us a recording. Record it on your computer or your phone or however you want to do it. Just send, send us a few bars. We really want to hear you sing it, if you exist. I'm not sure that you do.
0: You do. What do we bet, Adam? I forget what we bet. Do we bet Millions. something of value?
1: No, we. I tried to bet you $2 million, and instead you, you made a counteroffer that I accepted, but I cannot remember what it was.
0: I don't recall what it was either. Yeah. Oh, we'll damn have to, it.
1: We'll have to listen to that show. But it, it's a big bet, and uh, it can be resolved. But by the way, nobody's out there.
0: Historians will know. Don't He's, cheat. Michael Beschloss will know.
1: Michael Beschloss will know. Don't cheat, guys. If you didn't play Oliver, if you played Fagin or something, doesn't count. We don't want to hear it.
0: Yeah. We don't want any Nancys. We don't want any Artful Dodgers.
1: Right. Yeah. We just want Oliver singing <laughs> that song by Oliver. From Oliver. Ooh. Now, now uh, I, I want to move on because this is a pretty big day right here. It's time, everybody, for mailbag Thomas Coyne edition. Oh,
0: wait, 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 Adam, wait.
1: Oh, that's right. Where's my orchestration, Paula? Here we go. It's time for mailbag. Thomas Coyne edition. Now, just to remind everybody, and I know you long-time nobody's know that, on I think it was the third show we ever did, we had booked survivalist Thomas Coyne to come on the air and explain to us how to survive a bear attack, black bears and brown bears, and uh, he didn't show. So we figured he's either dead... Right. He's either dead or on the lam or something. And so we launched a somewhat harebrained manhunt for Thomas Coyne that is now was, two years running. It
0: was not harebrained at all. We crowdsourced the power of our listeners, and we've had a, a, a dragnet around the entire world searching for Thomas Coyne ever since.
1: Yeah, but when you say searching for Thomas Coyne, all that we've asked him to do is mark places on the map where he was not when they happened to be there.
0: Exactly. That's why we've almost found him.
1: We've got some exciting new developments uh, here on Mailbag. (laughs) Thomas Coin Edition. And uh, with that in mind, Tony and Anita Hull, please step on up to the mic. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, we've had an influx of... (laughs) Here we go again.
1: Mailbag. (laughs) Thomas Coin Edition. (laughs) So, Tony. Go ahead, Tony.
0: Go ahead.
2: So, Thomas Coin... Uh, What?
0: Just take it right out of the mailbag, Tony.
2: Okay. Thomas Coyne.
1: (laughs) Mailbag. Thomas Thomas Coyne edition.
2: Thomas Coyne (laughs) appeared apparently on Inside Edition. We got a lot of emails. Wait, he appeared? He appeared on Inside Edition. What do you mean he appeared? Apparently, they interviewed him because... Two hikers were lost in Death Valley. And if anybody knows about getting lost
0: in Death Valley, it's Thomas Coyne, survivalist Thomas Coyne, because he got lost on Miranda Street in North Hollywood. <laughs> um, <laughs> he never showed up. He never showed up. He never contacted us.
1: He never called. Uh, he never, we he just never waiting responded to emails. Him.
0: He was supposed to tell us what to do when you encounter a bear. Right. And just nothing, no word. From this guy.
1: And in my several bear encounters since then, those bears have laughed at me. Yeah, we don't know what to do. All right, Tony, why don't you just, uh, now that we know what we're talking about, why don't you just read us some stuff from Mailbag, Thomas Coyne edition.
2: I just assumed you were going to play your fucking <laughs> Okay, hi, hi, Tony, parentheses, and Paula, Adam, Bonnie. Guess what? Wait a minute! Wait a minute!
4: <laughs> right.
0: Why, why are we in parentheses?
1: Because she I knows, Tony. or he knows, that our mailbag reader is Tony.
0: Uh huh. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Tony. To- oh. Mailbag. Um, you know, it's kind of weird that that Tony is the mailbag mailbag reader because she's also the one who keeps sending things COD, isn't she? <laughs>
1: yes, she is. <laughs> Yes, she is. Oh, all God. right, Tony, you want to finish this first uh, email?
2: OK, so hi, Tony and parentheses, Paula, Adam, Bonnie. Guess what? After all these years, the search is finally over. I found Thomas Coin, and then she told me about Inside Edition. Oh, wow. OK. I have a TiVo, which records whatever one watches. So I backed it up and took a couple of snapshots of the screen as proof. Which I will post on Facebook. Yay. She's wanted to make sure her eyes were not deceiving her, and she zoomed in on his hoodie and took a picture of the logo of his survival school as well. Oh. I plan now to dedicate my powers of observation to help the police find out who murdered Doug. Robin. Kenner Hazza. Oh, Robin Kenner
1: <laughs> Of course, uh, Doug is our intern. We've never solved the mystery of his death, but we have stopped talking about him because we have a, a real-life intern now who uh, we don't want her to feel threatened in any way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Carly, since it's on the floor, uh, we, we did lose an intern before we got you.
2: I would hate for her to feel... F- <laughs> yeah, Carly.
1: Mailbag. Tony, read us a couple more.
3: Wait, I think Robin should get a Thomas coin coin.
1: Oh, oh well, yeah. that's a good idea. We're, Robin, we're going to need your address. To- Tony Anita Hall will get your address and send it to you. It will not have sufficient postage, so be ready to pay for it.
2: i yeah, waited Yeah, really? Oh, so, yes. <laughs> <a package>. Bonnie, <laughs> i waited.
0: Bonnie, Robin Kenar Haza, that's her name. Kenar Haza. I it's both an H, so that should really make you happy.
1: <laughs> da. Yeah, Bonnie's into the of H's. <laughs> all right, Tony, pull something else out of the mailbag. Thomas oh, Coyne shoot. Edition. Oh, Thomas it's so Coyne awful edition. when it's not right. Yeah, sure is. It's not great when it's mailbag. right. Ma-
3: <laughs> mailbag. I'm going to lay down. Go ahead, okay. Tony. Oh, like you weren't uh, laying down the whole I time. I
2: know.
3: Um, I wasn't. I
0: was leaning. She was. <laughs>
3: this, this mailbag's awesome. Need- <laughs> was leaning. All right, okay.
0: go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tony. Lose Sorry a leg, to Lose a leg. That's not I, like me. Lose a leg.
6: Lose <laughs> a leg.
2: Okay. I can't believe Thomas Coyne ghosted you. That is low. He is not in the Los Angeles forest, but if he ever shows up here, I'll smell him from a mile away, and he may as well not bother standing on something to make himself look taller. I know how tall he is. A brown bear.
1: Oh, Wow, we got got an email yes. from a brown bear. <laughs> that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, brown bear.
1: I guess that brown bear watches uh, Inside Edition as well. Because how else would that brown bear know that, that he'd ghosted us, indeed, unless he watches Inside Edition?
0: No, well, we've told everyone that he ghosted us.
1: Right, that's true. Uh,
4: that's true. I didn't
0: know that was what it was called when he did it. I just knew that he didn't show up. He didn't call us. He didn't respond to our calls or our text or our emails. When I say our, I mean Tony and me and Adam and Bonnie are in parentheses.
1: Right. Of course. <laughs> Goes without saying almost. All right, Tony, read us another entry from the mailbag. Thomas. Go Glenn ahead, edition.
2: COD. This one says, Dear Paula, I was hiking last weekend in New Jersey pine barrens when i spotted in the distance what i believe to be thomas Coy, oh. although he didn't respond i'm sure he heard me as he quickly ran away i was able to take a photo of him as he fled and i'm including it in this email so another picture that i will post and, and what is it a picture it, of? i can describe well, thank it thank you it's a tall okay thing That's either has hair all over it or is dressed in camouflage. I can't quite tell which one.
1: Okay. Wow. That's definitely him.
0: Well, I have to say
2: that the behavior
0: of he called out to him and he didn't respond. That sounds like Thomas Coyne.
1: Yeah, it sure does. Although, to be fair, if I'm hiking alone in the Pine Barrens or some other wooded area and somebody screams Thomas Coyne at me, I'm probably going to run as well. Yeah. Mailbag. All right, Tony, what else is in that mailbag?
2: Dear Tony, Anita Hall, Captain (laughs) Crinkle, Adam, and Paula. First of all- No parentheses? No parentheses. First of all, I love it that Adam is on every show. I'm a bear, but I'm also a proud (laughs) nobody. You guys got me through a really long winter. With everything going on, I've put on weight, and mostly I just feel like sleeping. I would never be reading Moby Dick without you, and I have always felt like I should have read it. Wow. Thomas Coyne is not in Alaska. I can't believe how rude he was to you guys. If he ever shows up here, he's getting a paw the size of a serving dish right upside his head and let him just try using bear spray (laughs) on me. Um, I'll shove it so far up his ass, he'll be in the outhouse for a month trying to find it. Love you guys. BTW, <laughs> I subscribe, Grizz.
0: Grizz? <laughs> wow, that's, that's great. Thank you, Grizzly Bear. Yes, thank uh, you, Grizzly Bear. Keep,
1: keep, keep listening. Keep those cards coming. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something. It looks like Thomas Coyne has pissed off the
1: wrong species. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know so many bears were fans of our show. All right, Tony, what's left in that mailbag?
2: Okay, this is from Michael Sinclair.
1: Thomas Coyne edition. <laughs>
2: mailbag. <laughs> Okay,
1: Michael Sinclair wrote mailbag. Thomas Coin edition.
2: I don't know why mailbag. I have an ulcer. Um, hello.
1: <laughs> you told us
0: the ulcer wasn't from this job. You specifically said that.
2: I did, I did
1: say. that. I specifically I did didn't bring that. up the ulcer because I thought it was private information.
0: Well, it isn't anymore, Tony. You're gonna put a picture of it up on Facebook, right? It's not private. Come absolutely. on, absolutely excellent.
1: All right. Okay, well, uh...
2: so Back to Michael Sinclair. Hello, I'm an ecologist and hope to use my statistical skills to help find Thomas. Oh, Coyne. good. I've attached my write up for what I found. I think he is right around the corner. Really enjoy the show and appreciate the laughs. So I have his paper pulled up here and it's titled The Flip of a Coin. A silly case study predicting where Thomas Coyne is, parentheses, not in the Midwest USA. So I won't read the whole paper, but some interesting things um, I found out is that population appears to be the best predictor of where he is. Thomas Coyne is predicted to haunt towns of less than 57,000 people. Furthermore, the smallest towns have the highest chance of containing Thomas Coyne.
1: Or you could just look on Inside Edition, apparently.
2: Of containing him? So this was his modeling method. Okay. He investigated how human population, distance to bear habitat, distance to the nearest Cabela's outfitter store, <laughs> and the average <laughs> September high temperature affected where coin was not observed. Wow. And then he goes on to come up with a conclusion and everything. So I will pass this along. Wow. I, I just thought it. He,
1: I want to see that. He
2: even in, did like this map. That has like the red spots is like Thomas coin hot zones.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Michael Sinclair and Tony. Thank you so much for all those letters for mailbag. The Thomas coin edition.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, thank you, Michael Sinclair. I love it that you're using science on this and that you made a poster. He, Michael Sinclair made a poster,
1: right? He I mean, if anybody a, wants to one up him, they got to make a diorama with a bear and Thomas coin inside.
0: Yeah. Um, his mother probably helped him with the poster.
1: Apollo, Paula, what do we make of this? Has Thomas Coyne been found? Do we call off the search? Well, he certainly
0: hasn't shown up on our show. That is true. I don't think we call off the search. He not only needs found, he needs um, confronted from a distance. <laughs> Respectful distance. He needs, I don't mean aggressively in any way. Right. He needs to meet his responsibility. Uh, he needs to follow through on his agreement to appear right. on uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstum.
1: Okay, I would agree with you on that. I'm, I'm not even sure I believe that that was Thomas Coyne on, on Inside Edition, but, you know, I'm just a skeptic. Oh, I don't
0: think it was. I don't think that was him.
1: But he could have sent somebody to play him.
0: Who interviewed him, Tony? Do you
2: know? I don't know. I did not watch the episode myself. I
0: think, I think it was that reporter who spent the whole time going, Thomas? Thomas? <laughs> Thomas Coyne? <laughs> Uh, oh. well thank you tony
1: <laughs> thank you tony and thank you uh, all our listeners who wrote in and we're going to keep looking for thomas coin because we he has now it's not just finding him it's calling him to account all right well that was fun now nobody's if you have questions or comments or you just want to bitch about how we run our book club send that to nobody listens to paula poundstone at gmail.com all right paula poundstone what is going on in your poundstone product empire this week
0: Adam Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is rolling nothing but strikes. We can barely (laughs) keep my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirts available in baseball and standard style with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back on the shelf at the store at PaulaPoundstone.com. And of course, I'm still available to make personalized video messages for listeners, friends, and loved ones. At cameo.com slash polyp33. And Adam, on Friday, June 11th, I'm gonna be in Blacksburg, Virginia at the Moss Arts Center. What? I know it feels amazing. In addition to distanced seating, Um, They will adhere to CDC and Virginia Department of Health guidelines, including placing hand sanitizer stations throughout the building and following thorough cleaning and sanitation procedures, so I'll be clean, and (laughs) special (laughs) emphasis on high-touch surfaces. Face coverings are required to be worn by visitors and staff members at all times in the Moss Arts Center, including while seated during performances. So, we will be adhering to to safety guidelines because I want everyone to have a great time and I want everyone to be safe. Um, So there you have that. There's so much more to tell you, but Heidi.
1: Yeah, Heidi. And Heidi, you're going to hate this because I'm going to plug something, too. Paula. Um, I have a new podcast. No. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not cheating on you. It's a very different kind of podcast. It's called Dad Band Land, and it's all about music from the point of view of a uh, neighborhood cover band, which I am a member of. Dad Band Land. It's a new podcast from Starburns uh, Audio, and uh, by the time you hear this, you can go to Starburns Audio on the internet's and um, hear a little preview of it, because the podcast episode one drops at the end of May, at the end of this month.
0: Wait. I just don't understand, you do, I don't understand why you do a podcast without us.
1: <laughs> no, Paula, it's, it's a completely different project.
0: Well, go ahead.
1: It's That's about music.
0: Fine. Do your music. Like, this podcast isn't about no, it's, music, it's, Adam. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying it's not about music, yeah. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm in a ba- You knew I was in a band, didn't you? Yeah, Adam. Am I
5: not yeah. in a band?
1: Yes, you are not in a band. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> a, a... No, no, Paula, rudimentary Glock skills don't put you in a band. I, I'm in an actual band, and my lead guitarist and I are hosting this, uh, this podcast, Dad Bandland, with an actual band manager. That sounds great. As an, as an extra that guest. That sounds terrific. It is. It's going to be really fun. Every week we break down one song we're playing and how we play it, and then we have our, our band manager brings in a piece of vinyl and we discuss a classic album. It's just all music-oriented. Dad band Oh, that land. sounds
0: great. Adam, answer the phone. What? <laughs> answer the phone.
1: I thought we were out of here. All right. Yeah. Um, hello? Adam? Y- yes?
5: It's, it's me, Winnie Feinman. And I, just I kind want of to say,
1: suspected you might call. Yes, hi, Winnie. I
5: just want to say that I am really excited, Adam, that you have a podcast, another podcast, and one about music, the dad band podcast, and I really would like to... Um, where Where do you record it?
1: Um, we're recording from our homes, Winnie, and, and, and we have no audience for it.
5: Well, I would like to be in that audience in the front row.
1: Well, there's no rows because there's no audience, Winnie.
5: I would like to be in the audience when you record your podcast, Adam, because I'm a really big fan and I, you still haven't hung out with me after the game. And so I don't see how you even have time to do another podcast. But if that's what you want to do, just go ahead.
1: <laughs> Thanks Winnie. I mean, honest, honestly, honestly, it has nothing to do with you and I'm doing it from my home. So, you know, I can't hang out with people. There's still a pandemic on Winnie.
5: Well, that's a good point. So I'm going to subscribe to your podcast. What's it called again?
1: Dad band land.
5: Okay. You're my favorite band. And that's my favorite podcast. Aww. I got to go, Adam.
1: <laughs> Bye, Winnie. so sweet. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I've got one fan. We've got one listener. Hey, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You get it every week at no charge. And if there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, tell us. We're at Poundstone at gmail.com. Once again, that's Poundstone at gmail.com. And that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam, dad band, Lan Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Michelle Massey. Yay! And thanks to our house band, Carrie Frank. Yay! Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezevnik, and Tony Anita C.O.D. Hull. <laughs> Intern is Carly Patrone. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starbirds production by Land Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service.
0: That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? <laughs> You know what? I I so admire people who could do um, exposure therapy. That's... Even when she said the words exposure therapy, it set my teeth on edge. So, um, to those uh, fighting that good fight, good for you. I did one night alphabetize my cereals. Let me just say that. Um, (laughs) Did you really? I did. Really? I I did, because I had said it as a joke. (laughs) I was kidding. And then I went up Bed and I lay there wide awake, but the thought was in my head, and I realized, you know what? I'm not going to get to sleep until I go. And you know, it's not like I have thousands of cereals. It, yeah.
1: it only took a minute. In fact, if I if I alphabetize the cereals in this house right now, I wouldn't have to. I think it's just Cheerios.
0: Yeah. So I put the Cheerios on the other side of the Cheerios. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars. A, podca-
5: <clears throat> a podcast network.